Gouverneur Morris, Paris, August 10, 1792, by Henry Cabot Lodge and Theodore Roosevelt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wayne Cook. The 10th of August, 1792, was one of the most memorable days of the French Revolution. It was the day on which the French monarchy received its death blow, and was accompanied by fighting and bloodshed which filled Paris with terror. In the morning before daybreak the tocsin had sounded, and not long after the mob of Paris, headed by the Marseillaise, six hundred men not afraid to die, who had been summoned there by Barbaro, were marching upon the Tuileries. The king, or rather the queen, had at last determined to make a stand and to bend the throne. The Swiss guards were there at the palace, well posted to protect the inner court, and there, too, were the national guards, who were expected to uphold the government and guard the king. The tide of people poured on through the streets, gathering strength as they went, the massiers, the armed bands, the sections, and a vast floating mob. The crowd grew nearer and nearer, but the squadrons of national guards who were to check the advance, did not stir. It was not apparent, indeed, that they made any resistance, and the king and his family at eight o'clock lost heart and deserted the Tuileries to take refuge with the National Convention. The multitude then passed into the court of the Carousel, unchecked by the National Guards, and were face to face with the Swiss. Deserted by their king, the Swiss knew not how to act, but still stood their ground. There was some parleying, and at last the Marseillais fired a cannon. Then the Swiss fired. They were disciplined troops, and their fire was effective. There was a heavy slaughter, and the mob recoiled, leaving their cannon, which the Swiss seized. The revolutionists, however, returned to the charge, and the fight raged on both sides, the Swiss holding their ground firmly. Suddenly, from the legislative hall, came an order from the king to the Swiss to cease firing. It was their death warrant. Paralyzed by the order, they knew not what to do. The mob poured in, and most of the gallant Swiss were slaughtered where they stood. Others escaped from the Tuileries only to meet their death in the street. The palace was sacked, and the raging mob was in possession of the city. No man's life was safe, least of all those who were known to be friends of the king, who were nobles, or who had any connection with the court. Some of these peoples, whose lives were thus in peril at the hands of the blood-stained and furious mob, had been the allies of the United States, and had fought under Washington in the war for American independence. In their anguish and distress, their thoughts recurred to the country which they had served in its hour of trial, three thousand miles away. They sought the legation of the United States, and turned to the American minister for protection. Such an exercise of humanity at that moment was not a duty that any man craved. In those terrible days in Paris, the representatives of foreign governments were hardly safer than anyone else. Many of the ambassadors and ministers had already left the country, and others were even then abandoning their posts, which it seemed impossible to hold at such a time. But the American minister stood his ground. Gouverneur Morris was not a man to shrink from what he knew to be his duty. He had been a leading patriot in our revolution. 
he had served in the continental congress and with robert morris in the difficult work of the treasury when all our resources seemed to be at their lowest ebb in seventeen eighty eight he had gone abroad on private business and had been much in paris where he had witnessed the beginning of the french revolution and had been consulted by men on both sides in seventeen ninety by washington's direction he had gone to london and had consulted the ministry there as to whether they would receive an american minister thence he had returned to paris and at the beginning of seventeen ninety two washington appointed him minister of the united states to france as an american morse's sympathies had run strongly in favor of the movement to relieve france from the despotism under which she was sinking and to give her a better and more liberal government but as the revolution progressed he became outraged and disgusted by the methods employed he felt a profound contempt for both sides the inability of those who were conducting the revolution to carry out intelligent plans or maintain order and the feebleness of the king and his advisers were alike odious to the man with american conceptions of ordered liberty he was especially revolted by the bloodshed and cruelty constantly gathering in strength which were displayed by the revolutionists and he had gone to the very verge of diplomatic propriety in advising the ministers of the king in regard to the policies to be pursued and as he foresaw what was coming in urging the king himself to leave france all his efforts and all his advice like those of other intelligent men who kept their heads during the whirl of the revolution were alike vain on august tenth the gathering storm broke with full force and the populace rose in arms to sweep away the tottering throne then it was that these people fleeing for their lives came to the representatives of the country for which many of them had fought and on both public and private grounds besought the protection of the american minister let me tell what happened in the words of an eyewitness an american gentleman who was in paris at the time and who published the following account of his experiences on the ever-memorable tenth of august after viewing the destruction of the royal swiss guards and the dispersion of the paris militia by a band of foreign and native incendiaries the writer thought it his duty to visit the minister who had not been out of his hotel since the insurrection began and as was to be expected would be anxious to learn what was passing without doors he was surrounded by the old count de Stang and about a dozen other persons of distinction of different sexes who had from their connection with the united states been his most intimate acquaintances in paris and who had taken refuge with him for protection from the bloodhounds which in the forms of men and women were prowling in the streets at the time all was silence here except that silence was occasionally interrupted by the crying of the women and children as i retired the minister took me aside and observed i have no doubt sir but there are persons on the watch who would find fault with my conduct as minister in receiving and protecting these people but i call on you to witness the declaration which i now make and that is that they were not invited to my house but came of their own accord whether my house will be a protection to them or to me god only knows but i will not turn them out of it let what will happen to me to which he added 
you see sir they are all persons to whom our country is more or less indebted and it would be inhuman to force them into the hands of the assassins had they no such claim upon me nothing can be added to the simple account and no american can read it or repeat the words of mr morris without feeling even now a hundred years after the event a glow of pride that such words were uttered at such a time by the man who represented the united states after august tenth when matters in paris became still worse mr morris still stayed at his post let me give in his own words what he did and his reasons for it Quote, the different ambassadors and ministers are all taking their flight and if i stay i shall be alone i mean however to stay unless circumstances should command me away because in the admitted case that my letters of credence are to the monarchy and not to the republic of france it becomes a matter of indifference whether i remain in this country or go to england during the time which may be needful to obtain your orders or to produce a settlement of affairs here going hence however would look like taking part against the late revolution and i am not only unauthorized in this respect but i am bound to suppose that if the great majority of the nation adhere to the new form the united states will approve thereof because in the first place we have no right to prescribe to this country the government it shall adopt and next because the basis of our own constitution is the indefeasible right of the people to establish it among those who are leaving paris is the venetian ambassador he was furnished with passports from the office of foreign affairs but he was nevertheless stopped at the barrier was conducted to the hotel de valle was there questioned for hours and his carriages examined and searched this violation of the rights of ambassadors could not fail as you may suppose to make an impression it has been broadly hinted to me that the honor of my country and my own require that i should go away but i am of a different opinion and rather think that those who give such hints are somewhat influenced by fear it is true that the position is not without danger but i presume that when the president did me the honor of naming me to this embassy it was not for my personal pleasure or safety but to promote the interests of my country these therefore i shall continue to pursue to the best of my judgment and as to consequences they are in the hand of god End quote. he remained there until his successor arrived when all others fled he was faithful and such conduct should never be forgotten mr morris not only risked his life but he took a heavy responsibility and laid himself open to severe attack for having protected defenseless people against the assaults of the mob but his courageous humanity is something which should ever be remembered and ought always to be characteristic of the men who represent the united states in foreign countries when we recall the french revolution it is cheering to think of that fearless figure of the american minister standing firm and calm in the midst of those awful scenes with sacked palaces slaughtered soldiers and a blood-stained mob about him regardless of danger to himself determined to do his duty to his country and to those to whom his country was indebted end of governor morris paris august tenth seventeen ninety two by henry cabot lodge and theodore roosevelt